eye on the street below. Alfred says I have trouble with intimacy, but people often die when they get close to me. I'm kicking and punching. Welcome everybody to the DC Freakly Batman and Robin Eternal podcast. This is a weekly production of Multiversity Comics, as well as the DC Three, which is myself, Brian Salvatore, along with my pals Vince Ostrowski and Zach Wilkerson. Uh, just a warning here: this isn't going to be a spoiler-filled podcast each week. We are not going to hold back. We're going to talk about what happens in each and every issue of Batman and Robin Eternal, and hopefully. Um, you know, have some fun along the way doing it. So, uh, in this first issue, which just came out this week, which was illustrated by Tony Daniel and scripted by James Tiny in the fourth and Scott Snyder, um, we basically have uh, a continuation, I guess, of the eight-page story that was in the Batman Day um, issue of Batman Endgame. Uh, we see the uh, the three sort of active former Robins, Tim Drake. Dick Grayson and Jason Todd doing some, you know, bat things. We see Jim Gordon as Batman try and stop Harper Rowe from basically being a vigilante. She hacks into his suit and stops him. And then eventually Dick Grayson tries to go undercover and figure out some stuff, but he is ambushed by a bunch of kids, which is super creepy. And they keep saying that they're going to do it. They're doing this for, uh, for Mother, and they kind of don't know who Mother is. Uh, eventually, there is someone called the Orphan who breaks into um, Harper Rose's apartment and tries to kill her. Dick Grayson encounters somebody who we know as Cassandra Kane, but he does not know as Cassandra Kane. And at the end of the issue, he pops a USB little port into a computer and he gets a video message from Bruce Wayne that Bruce is calling his confession. We see a number of names under the title Mother's Children Must Be Terminated Before Phase 3. Among those names are Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Harper Rowe, and Cassandra Kane. And uh, we get a little flashback of Batman in Egypt, and he is shooting folks with a gun. That's the last page. Uh, would you guys say that's a succinct uh, description of the issue? Yeah. Spot on. Okay, cool. Um, overall, what did you guys think of the first issue? Zach, why don't you start? I, I really liked it a lot. What about it did you really like? Um, one, just I, I've i really enjoyed, like over the past couple of years, all of the different Robins interacting, and that's pretty much what this was. Um, so, you know, just that aspect alone I really enjoyed. Um, I, you know, I thought... Just compared to, like, say, the first issue of Batman Eternal, um, I don't know. There was just something about it. It just, like, really hooked me right at the beginning. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I thought the art was really pretty good. Um, yeah. All right, yeah. Go so I, I would echo um, what Zach said. Uh I guess I've always kind of marked out for for the the youth of Gotham City, you know, like I 
I've probably enjoyed more Robin and Batgirl stories than I have Batman stories. Um, especially over the last, stories from the last decade, I would say. Uh, Pre-Flashpoint, I was totally into Red Robin and, and Batgirl. Um, during Batman Eternal, by far the most satisfying part of that story uh, for me was ha- seeing the young the young members of the Bat family interacting. I think this group of writers has an extremely good handle on um, writing young characters, and specifically these characters, and giving them all their unique traits and letting them bounce off of one another. So um, right away, the premise was right up my alley, and I would say that the first issue delivered on exactly that. Um, I found it a little bit interesting that it touched on uh, Jim Gordon as Batman as much as it did. I, I almost expected it. I mean, maybe maybe this was misguided of me, but I almost expected them to ignore that or ignore the, the events that are actually going on in the other books right now. Um, but I kind of like it. It kind of put, you know, gives a reason for Batman to sort of be distant and in the background. Um, so I like that aspect of it. Now, you talk about Batman in Egypt shooting people. Well, it wasn't just anyone he was shooting. It was supposedly one of these mother's children, right? I presume I think so. that's what's implied, yeah. 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 Well, because that kid is essentially given Bruce Wayne's origin story for Batman. I mean, he's coming out of a theater with his parents, and he watches his parents get gunned down, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I I think what we're going to talk about later is uh, whether that's really Bruce Wayne or not, Um, so so we'll get back to that. But I thought pretty much every, every part of every story that this issue was trying to tell was weaved together in a pretty satisfying way, um, save for the fact that there are a couple big mysteries, uh, as was also the hallmark of Batman Eternal. So, um, so we have that to look forward to, and uh, there's nothing in here that would dissuade me from following down the rabbit hole. It's funny that you like mentioned the the emphasis that it has, like I guess, on the current status quo. I I just said um, in in the regular DC three podcast when we uh, recorded that that I saw this as you know being kind of like the the backbone book to a bunch of books that I'm really enjoying right now, and that's pretty much like exactly what it was. You know, it kind of touched on. It felt like a mix of like Grayson and Batman and you know all all of the all of the different bat books just yeah. as a single book yeah uh, i i'm going to more or less agree with you guys on your assessment of the issue i really enjoyed most of it uh, there's one little nitpicky thing i'll get to later but for the most part I, I think you guys are spot on i have especially since the new 52 started and especially the last year or so really enjoyed the sort of the young members of the Bat family's interaction. Uh, you know, I'm a big Tim Drake fan from from my childhood, and I feel like this is probably the best Tim Drake's been written, the Batman Weeklies, since the New 52 started. And Harper Rowe was a really great addition to that. I really like her as a character. 
And, you know, Dick Grayson is in my top five comics characters of all time. So this checks off a lot of boxes for me without doing too much. Uh, I did like the interaction with the Jim Gordon Batman. Uh, I don't know if I'd go as far as Vince and say I didn't expect him to touch on it at all. I thought he'd sort of be there in the background. I didn't expect him to get as much page time in the first issue as he did. But I'm kind of glad that he did. And, um... I think it's interesting that there appears to be a connection between the Robins beyond just them being Robin. Like, you know, the fact that all these names are on the the list, as it were, of Mother's Children, does that mean that the Robins' identities were sort of predetermined? Does the fact that they become Batman psychics put them on the list? But that wouldn't make sense for someone like Cassandra Cain, because she's on the list, but we just meet her for the first time in this issue. So what's sort of the greater overarching mystery among the Robins here? Um, I'm also a little bit surprised, just based on the writers and sort of what happened in the uh, in the last weekly that we don't see Stephanie Brown's name on that list. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking that. And, yeah, you know, I guess maybe her circumstance was a little bit different. She got brought into this because of her dad um, being a villain. To me, she's just as, quote, valid as Harper Rowe, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. Um I guess I can just see maybe why they could leave her off and she would still be, you know, uh, without, with you know, without, you know, who knows what this connection is going to be, but without having, like, Harper's name on this list, her reason for being involved with the Bat family would be just as tangential as anybody, any of the others. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Stephanie has that in just in the fact that her father was a, a Batman villain. Stephanie's and, mentioned in the issue. I, I do want yeah, to say that. Yeah, that it, she it's is, not right. Like, it's not like her presence is, is totally uh, avoided, but it's just, mm-hmm. to me, especially if you're going to connect all these other people together, including Harper Rowe, who wasn't a Robin, and Cassandra well, Cain, who was a Batgirl, but, not, but um, not in this continuity. You know, it's just an odd om- omission, I feel like. Well, Barbara's name isn't on there. Right, either. yeah, yeah. But I feel um, like, again, if the idea is that they're supposed to be sidekicks, I guess in this new continuity... Sandra Kane could be side could be a sidekick and not be a Batgirl. Right, right. If anything, you know, she might go back to the the Black Bat, the Black Bat persona yeah. or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the things that I talked to with um, Multiversity editor emeritus Walter Richardson a lot is how there are certain artists of whom I'm not a huge fan, but when they're on their game, they're just about as good as anybody in the business. And I think Tony Daniel is one of those names for me. You know, uh, I don't necessarily... He's not an artist that gets me to buy a book by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like here, he did a pretty great job. I was... um, I thought he nailed sort of the look of each of the different sidekicks. Robins, whatever you want to call them, pretty well. And Tony Daniel's Batman is, you know... It's not my favorite Batman, but it's certainly a very, very solid uh, look. Are you guys fans of his work? As long as he's not writing anything, I'm 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 a, a huge fan. Yeah, <laughs> I think his work here was great. I mean, it's it's the same uh, sort of thing we talked about for for both um, Batman Eternal the first time around and Future's End, which is that they're they're sort of quote unquote 
main artists mm-hmm. are very suited to that like big event detailed handsome sort of cinematic style and yeah. i think i think he fits like a glove here yeah my my one critique of his work and this is again like a tiny nitpick though i did not particularly enjoy his unmasked jason todd yeah he looks a little bit too much like dick yeah he looks he looks like a, he looks like a slightly less handsome dick grayson yeah and that that really yeah. shouldn't be how jason todd looks but that's a whole other story i guess i guess it didn't bother me because there have been plenty of other times where, you know, they've got their faces showing, and I don't know who it is unless someone <laughs> says something. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I, I think, um, I think there was an issue, a New Fifty Two issue, where they were all getting together for a photograph, and yeah, they might as well have all been the same people. You know, I don't remember who the artist was on that particular uh, panel, but. Yeah, I, I, I've had that same thought, and I just chalk it up to, well, Batman has a type. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He has so much of a type, he made Jason Todd dye his red hair to fit the type. That's yes. right. Yep, yep. <laughs> I wish they let him, actually, I think that would be a good kind of fuck you to his relationship with Batman if he let his red hair grow back in. Well, I don't even know if that's, is that even canon anymore in the New 52? Probably not. That, but... that was a Morrison thing. I feel like that might might be out the window. Again, no, that that was a that was a like original when he was a kid thing. Well, but yeah, but Morrison, like, I think he put that Back twist in. on it. Yeah, yeah, I think that was like a a uh, bit of like a retcon, wasn't it? Yeah, probably. Sort between like the I don't know between like the the pre crisis post crisis. Mm-hmm. Jason Todd, we're getting in deep now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and this is supposed to be a very, very brief podcast, so yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll move right along. Um, I guess I knew this because I saw the cover to Eternal Number 1 a while ago. I'm a little bit surprised that the Scarecrow is the villain that they're going to be using, as at least the to, to add the framing device to the book. Because, yeah. I, because I feel like the Scarecrow is... Um, I don't know, it just doesn't feel... To me, chasing the Scarecrow around the world doesn't seem like a very Scarecrow thing. No, but you know, it's going to be... I mean, ultimately, the big bad will be... Mother. Somebody much bigger than that, yeah. And and, and yeah. it's kind of fitting, because if they're describing Scarecrow as Robin's first villain, you know, the first villain yeah. Robin fought with Batman, you know, um, I think it's a nice little tribute. I think... I, I, I like... I really like what they're doing, like making this a tribute to the title of Robin, you know? Mm, Um, Robin gets so easily cast aside sometimes, especially when you're talking about other media uh, outside of the comics. So it's it's nice to see them circle around and pay homage to his history too, you know? Like, I I loved seeing the the panel where it's, uh, you know, there's like the double punch, Mm-hmm. I think it was, um, it was Jason and Dick. It was Jason and Dick, but that's the, that's a classic Batman and Robin, you know, from yeah. from yeah. a campier version of the character too, you know. Yeah. But but it was fun. It, I, I I like it. Well, this does seem like it's going to be a very Dick Grayson centric book. I mean, he he's like front and center on the cover. Um, his experiences, in, like in the past, seem to kind of be forming the framework of that you know the the flashback and the mystery and i think that's that's really cool you know 
I always kind of like when Bruce is pushed out of the picture a little bit and and Dick gets his his due. Yeah, it's also kind of fitting that Dick is has been both Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. So just going on the title, I wonder if they'll touch on that at all. Yeah, I wonder that is that is continuity, right? Still, yes, I'm pretty sure. They I want to talk say, about it. Does, doesn't don't Dick and Damien talk about it occasionally? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, in Nightwing number one, when uh, who was writing it at the start of the New Fifty Two? I think it was Kyle Higgins. It was yeah. Kyle Higgins in the very beginning of the issue. He was like, you know, I was Robin, and then I was Batman, and now I'm just back to being Nightwing or something like that. So they yeah. referenced it then, but I don't know if that's carried through or not. I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anything you guys want to add before we get to our sort of closing thoughts here? Nope. Um, yeah, I don't know. I might have more to add after we do our closing thoughts. Okay. But... <laughs> well, well, Zach, why don't you start us off with your closing thought then? Um, this is a small thing, um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with Cassandra Kane. Um, she kind of was off the board a little bit by the time I really got into comics. Um, she just wasn't around as much. Um, but, uh, as far as like my understanding of the character goes, she, she was mute for a long period of time. Isn't that right? Yes. Okay. And so I thought it was interesting in this issue that it, it seems like they kept that. And the, the only thing that she said in the issue was mother. Right. And so I, I wonder if that's like an aspect of the character that they're going to keep, because I think, you know, that that's something really unique and interesting about the character. So I hope it is something that they keep. Yeah, sure. I, I think that that would be an interesting twist, especially because I think when you put over Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson's one of the most talkative characters in comics. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice sort of balance there between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, Vince, go ahead. What's yours? All right. So I've got an interesting little detail here. Um, Let's see. It's on one of the last pages. Um, it's on the fourth to last page, whatever number that is. It's the list of names uh-huh. that that Dick finds. Yeah. If you look at the bottom right on the list of names that we mostly don't recognize, mm-hmm. did you guys notice that it Asriel? looks like that could be yeah. John Paul Valley? Yeah. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. So that throws an interesting little. If that if that is his name, that throws an interesting little wrench into the idea that um, these are all potential Robins or what you know whatever or, the connection is you know. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on what what that could mean or? or... I, mean, I kind of had the same thought you had, which was that you know these are names of people that for whatever reason are threatening to mother. And so they have they have the power to, whether it's to, you know, to take Mother down, whatever. We don't know if Mother's a person or an organization or whatever, so it's, it's kind of hard to talk about it um, in, an ab, excuse me, in an abstract way. But uh, I, I did see the same thing. I didn't recognize any of those other names. Did you guys? No, no, and I even did a little bit of Googling, and I couldn't really come up with anything at so. first i thought maybe some of those names were the kids from we are robin but they're mm. not I, I, I checked that no um so yeah and of course damien damien wayne's not on that list either so that is interesting as well yeah right yeah but yeah i mean at that point who who knows i guess 
this would have been like five, six years ago, and uh, you know the whole Damien thing. But you know, who knows if they even knew about Damien at that point? You know, he sure. could have been hidden or whatever. Yeah, and we, that, you know, if this is four or five years ago, Harper Row would have been like eleven. Yeah, yeah, the whole the whole time thing is still really weird. But I did. I think I mentioned this to you, Brian, that I think maybe this is kind of an interesting way of tying up this whole shortened timeline thing, timeline thing, and having all these Robins. Where if you if you actually had this, you know, planned list of people who were candidates, it kind of makes more sense why you would have so many people showing up and kind of filling this role because they were almost sort of, you know, either like destined to, or, you know, there's something about them that predisposes them to that. That's certainly fair. Um, yeah. Okay. My, my one note is actually, it's a note about this issue, but it's also a note about Grayson number 12 that came out a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have to give, uh, some credit here to Multiversity writer Ken Godbertson III about this. He put this on Twitter, and when I read it, I was like, oh, that's the thought I've had for a couple years now, but I've never been able to properly articulate. Stop trying to make Dick and Jason friends. Um, <laughs> there is no reason for this. Like, in, in the Grayson issue, when it... That issue, for those who didn't read it, it's, it's Dick Grayson comes back to Gotham and basically tells the Bat family that he's not dead. And Jason is all like, I went to your funeral. Jason Todd shouldn't care. Like, Jason Todd's reaction to Dick Grayson being alive should be like, oh, I'll have to kill him now. <laughs> like, it's not, he is not a warm and fuzzy person. If you're going to make him into that person, then you have to give a character reason why he's that way now. I feel like they just like to oscillate between killer Jason Todd and sympathetic Jason Todd with no real uh, reason for changing them. And that that rang a little bit false to me in this issue too. It was just like he wants to go get a drink with uh with Tim and Dick. That doesn't sound like Jason Todd in the slightest. I don't know. Maybe I was being overly uh overly analytical about this no. for no real reason. No, I do agree with you. I I do think that since the new fifty two started they've kind of like had him on this trajectory. I don't think it's necessarily been you know presented that well you know from a character development standpoint mm -hmm. you know um i do think this is where they want him to be right now um is kind of this semi anti-hero who still kind of gets along with everybody but is just like slightly dysfunctional i don't know that i mean that's definitely the vibe that i got from eternal mm -hmm. um well, in Eternal, didn't they try to make him and, and Barbara kind of a thing? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see if they continue that here. I kind of expect them to. I agree. Um, final thing I want to talk about. We haven't really talked much about the last page of the book. Right. It shows Batman with a gun. What would we say the odds are that's actually Bruce Wayne? Less than zero. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if it is, he has to be, like, mind-controlled or something, but... Well, he, here's... Uh, no, obviously, they want us to think it's Bruce Wayne. That, yeah. That's the whole idea here. 
But why would there be a video, like, last will and testament of Bruce Wayne, him apologizing for all this stuff, if that's not him at the end of the issue? And again, I know that's what they're trying to get us to think. I understand I'm falling right into the trap here. But. Oh, I might. Uh, I don't know. Zach, you go ahead with your thought. I gotta collect myself here. Well, I don't, you know, I don't even know. Just like that last page, like, it's so creepy. He's just, you know, the the yes mother. I mean, it just sounds like, oh yeah, I mean, we don't know what mother is or who mother is, but it just sounds so cultish and like, I, get, I mean, we don't know a lot about Bruce's time in this era, I guess, but it just seem, it would seem really weird if we just found out that there was this weird point in his life where <laughs> he was involved in this huge conspiracy and he <laughs> was shooting, shooting kids' parents and recreating, I don't know, it just seems too weird. Yeah, see, the the reason I think it can't be him is because, well, let's start really basic. Okay. You can't have Bruce Wayne kill somebody, whether he's under mind control or not. Like, I just don't think they're going to do that. Right? Yeah, it's kind of just too... Or is that naive of me? No, I think you're right. Because, I mean, it's kind of irredeemable. That's the thing that you have other lesser superheroes do, but you don't have Batman do that. Yeah. I mean, Wonder Woman snapped Maxwell Lord's neck. Well. (laughs) Oh, but that was terrible. It it was terrible, but it happened. Well, but he... uh, There, you you know, you have like the redemptive violence angle, I guess you could write it under, you know... I guess okay. there's nothing like even arguably good or there's no like I said this is irredeemable I think in a, in every way like you couldn't even make an argument So here's my other point this hologram is so easy to fake you know like they could have faked this easily and for what reason probably to throw the bad family off the trail like perhaps we'll somehow find that this was all the red herring for some other you know some other scheme that's going on in summation jet fuel can't melt steel i'm vince for the dc3 cast that's right yep (laughs) i'm call me pete carroll coach of the Seattle seahawks yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, Bush did it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, no. This would have been during George W. Bush's presidency, perhaps. That's, so. that's insane. Stop it. <laughs> what if, what? <laughs> no, it actually, it's it, current New 52 timeline. This Stop. is during the Obama administration, guys. No, no, it's not. <laughs> if it's five years ago, it absolutely is. If it's six years ago, oh, it wait, absolutely is. Oh, wait, I thought is. you said Bush. Bush, sorry. I said Bush the first time, but it's, okay. it's Obama. Okay, Obama, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, sorry. In closing, thanks, Obama. Yes. Oh, man. That's insane. All right, guys. Um, This is not a mystery that's going to be solved this week. I feel like this is going to be one of the things that we'll probably be getting answers about in January or February. 
this particular part of the mystery. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I guess that's, how long is this supposed to run? Six months? Six months, yeah. Okay, so wraps up in March? Probably in March, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, this has been the uh, first installment of the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Eddie Argos and Spoiler Alert for the use of our theme song, Batman, off the Spoiler Alert EP. Um, the, I, as I mentioned in an email to the boys today, the ending of the song is not at all relevant anymore, but it makes me laugh every time. So we'll, uh, we'll let you hear that in just a second. You can uh, email the show or tweet at us. Our Twitter handles are, uh, mine is at Brian Needs an App. Mine's at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And mine is at SirFox89, that's S-I-R-F-O-X. And uh, you know, let us know any theories you have about the book or anything you want us to talk about in future weeks. Maybe we'll have some guests on. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do this yet, but we're going to try and keep them nice and short. So this has been already about twice as long as I hoped it would be, <laughs> but that's sort of what happens yeah. when the three of us get talking about Batman. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Good night. Good night. Good night.